the typical driver in Toronto lost uh, 118 hours to traffic congestion. Too much. It's very difficult to drive in the city in these days. Congestion chaos, a new distinction for Toronto that most drivers already know and would rather forget. Good evening. We're going to bring you that story in a few moments. We begin with some developing news from Toronto Police. Yes, they're investigating a series of assaults along the subway on the night of December 17th. And the details of this case are eerily similar to an incident that shocked the country over the holidays. Our Natalie Johnson joins us with the details. Natalie. Michelle, Toronto police alleged that a group of 8 to 10 teenage girls randomly assaulted several people along the subway line that night, the same night that a homeless man was fatally stabbed near Union Station. Police say 59-year-old Ken Lee died in hospital after he was swarmed by eight teenage girls who have since been charged with second-degree murder. One was granted bail in late December, while the rest have bail hearings scheduled for later this month. They all range in age from 13 to 16. Their identities are protected by law. Police now say that in the hours before Lee was attacked, eight to ten teenage girls randomly assaulted several people along subway line one, at Queen's Park, St. Patrick, Osgood, St. Andrew, and Union Stations. Investigators are urging any victims of those attacks to come forward and speak with police. Now, at this point, police are not officially connecting the subway attacks with the swarming death of Lee, though the random assaults allegedly occurred between 10 p.m. and midnight. Lee was attacked just 17 minutes later. Reporting live, I'm Natalie Johnson. Nathan and Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Natalie. Turning to a story that will resonate with a lot of people right now, GTA traffic. And spoiler alert, it is bad. If it feels like you or your loved ones are spending more time behind the wheel than ever before, there's some new information tonight to back up those feelings. CTV Scott Lightfoot joins us now to explain. Scott. Well, Nathan, the information comes from a global study of traffic congestion. They looked at more than 1,000 different cities in 50 countries. One of the things they measured was just how much time people wasted sitting in traffic every day. Maybe it's 15 minutes each way on your commute. It's 30 minutes a day, but it all adds up. The study says here in Toronto last year, the average time wasted by drivers was 118 hours. That's just under five days going nowhere fast. It's a site that Toronto drivers are all too familiar with. Too much mess, too much. It's very difficult to drive in the city in these days. It's no secret that Toronto's traffic congestion is bad. It is very hard to get in the city and uh, get out of the city all, all day. It's not like uh, used to be, right? But a new international study shows just how bad it is by comparing it with other major cities around the globe. According to the transportation analytics company Inrix, Toronto ranks 7th in the world for traffic congestion, up from 22nd last year. And when it comes to how much time drivers spend sitting in traffic... One hour or two hours, something sometimes. Three to four hours in the traffic, yes. Toronto ranks 3rd in North America for hours lost to traffic congestion, behind only Chicago and Boston. The typical driver in Toronto lost uh, 118 hours to traffic congestion uh, last year. Even drivers in New York City spend less time in traffic on average than Toronto drivers. The study's author says the main driver of the increased congestion is the return of the morning commute, something that had been, for the most part, absent over the pandemic. The urban area of Toronto is more dense than the urban area of New York or L.A. or Rome. So... Uh, really, in terms of population, that's a lot of people. And then you have transit use and alternative modes of which, you know, transit use uh, is still down below pre-COVID levels in the in the Toronto area. So 
with all of those things combined, you get a, a, a good idea of, of what's going on in Toronto. The most congested city in the world, according to the report, is the same as it was last year. London, England, where the study says drivers spent an average of 156 hours or six and a half days sitting in traffic. And London is one of the few cities where congestion levels are up over what they were pre-pandemic here in Toronto. Like most major cities, congestion levels are up over last year. That's because people have started to return to the office, but still slightly lower than they were before the pandemic. Coming live on Adelaide, I'm Scott Lightfoot. Nathan and Michelle, back to you. All right, thank you, Scott. Next to a different type of gridlock many of you are familiar with. Air travelers are playing catch-up tonight after a systems glitch forced the grounding of thousands of flights across the United States. And as Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin explains, the issue ruined plans for millions of passengers both south of the border and here at home. The planes were up and running within a few hours, but the chaos coast to coast paralyzed air travel across America. The main cabin door had already closed, and the next thing we know, we're, they told us that there's a nationwide ground hold. In the U.S., more than 1,000 flights were canceled and nearly 8,000 flights delayed. This is a nationwide issue. It's not just a local issue. A computer glitch forced the Federal Aviation Administration to ground every single domestic plane. That hasn't happened since the 9-11 terror attacks. U.S. President Joe Biden was briefed and asked, was U.S. airport technology being targeted? There's been no direct evidence or indication of that, but uh, we are also not going to rule that out until we have a, a clearer and better understanding of what's taking place. Here's what we know. A critical computer system that pilots rely on for real-time safety information on runways and potential hazards somehow failed, leaving passengers facing disruptions once again. I'm really upset, but what can I do? But it makes you kind of nervous. Is there something else that maybe we're not being told right now? If there is a silver lining, it helped that the outage happened during one of the slower days of the week for air travel. The White House has ordered a full investigation to make sure this never happens again. Joy Malvin, CTV News, Washington. And our Mike Walker is at Pearson Airport tonight with details of the effect this down system has had on GTA travelers. Mike, what are you hearing? Well, Michelle, a lot of frustration from travelers, many telling us their flights were delayed upwards of two hours. The biggest impact was felt this morning, but this has had a ripple effect on flights to the U.S. all day. Bound travelers arriving at Pearson International Airport this morning, shocked to see the departures board lit up with delays. It is frustrating. It is what it is, and it's not really very much you can do about it. Norma and Stephen Locke are destined for Tokyo, but first have a connecting flight in Chicago. Their flight there delayed to this afternoon. If we miss that one, I don't know where we're going to end up. The Greater Toronto Airport's authority says the FAA system outage and ground order impacted 34% of departures between 6 and 9 a.m. I've been here since yesterday. In fact, I don't know, well, but I'm trying to cope with it. For two days now, Martha has been trying to fly out to Hartford to visit family. The outage canceling her rebooked flight to D.C. Now they've rescheduled me for another flight, mm -hmm. uh, which is supposed to take off at 3. 
as well to catch a connecting flight to Hartford. Air Canada warning the outage would impact its transporter operations, the delays and cancellations causing a ripple effect throughout the day. If the flight is delayed out of Pearson and the flight is going down to, say, LaGuardia, so they're going to be about a half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour delayed before they get to LaGuardia, then that flight is going to be delayed. So that flight coming back is going to be delayed about an hour, hour and a half. Exhausted travelers from the U.S. arriving at Pearson this afternoon. Nicola Nawaze sprinting through the airport to catch a connecting flight to PEI after arriving from Chicago with just minutes to spare. Basically, I had to sit there for like two and a half hours, basically, just waiting to get our calls. Now I'm hoping I can get to my flight soon so I can go up there and uh, meet my partner. Many had just boarded their flights when the FAA ground order was issued. We sat on the plane for about 15 minutes and I said they just found out that the FAA shut everything down and that we had to deboard the plane and wait for probably about another hour and a half. This family relieved to be home after their flight from Florida was delayed by more than two hours. It could have been a big ordeal and as a mom I was concerned about keeping people fed and happy and calm. So I think like all in all, an hour delay instead of what could have been a whole day being delayed at the airport and stranded, I'm, I'm happy to be home. Many travelers chalking up the delays as part of the journey. Now you can see here on the departures board at Terminal 1, there are still several delays at this hour to destinations right across the United States. Air Canada and WestJet urging anyone traveling to the U.S. today to double-check the status of their flights before coming to the airport. And the latest numbers from FlightAware show that there were 207 flight delays today for flights into and out of the U.S. here at Pearson Airport. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Mike. Also on the travel front, after 28 days, still nowhere to be found. One Toronto couple's chaotic quest to track down their luggage. That's coming up on Consumer Alert. The LCBO says it's responding to a cybersecurity incident. Online customers are being greeted with a warning on its homepage saying services are unavailable. Officials say a full investigation is underway and the website and mobile app are impacted. The agency says shopping in stores is not affected and it's thanking customers for their patience and understanding. A live look at the city right now. Where'd the CN Tower go? It's a snowy evening for a few people across the region as January feeling a lot more like January. Our Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. We saw some snow earlier. It's cold. Tell us more. Yes, Michelle, we had a burst of snow activity uh, earlier this afternoon here in the GTA. That has since moved off to the east. Uh, it's really just the appetizer in a couple of rounds of active weather over the next 24 to 48 hours. Let's talk about tonight. We have a special weather statement in effect for intermittent freezing rain through the night tonight, mainly north and west of the city. And that says the temperature, believe it or not, climbs through the overnight hours tonight. So it could be close to freezing. We're at zero right now in Toronto. We're forecasting an overnight low of about one or two degrees under mainly cloudy skies. But by this time tomorrow, it is going to be raining. It will be mild enough for rain. We're going to get a decent amount of it. There's a special weather statement already in place and a winter storm warning to our northeast. Lots to unpack here. We'll We'll do our best to show you everything you need to know for Thursday and Friday coming up in your weather forecast. For now, Nathan, over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. An update's expected tomorrow in the case of a woman kidnapped in Wasaga Beach one year ago. El Najhaj Tamiri was abducted by three men dressed as police officers on January 12th. Police say the suspects forced their way into a home where the 37-year-old was staying with relatives. Hash Tamiri has not been seen since, although police have charged her ex-boyfriend and former business partner, 
Mohamed Lilo with kidnapping. Weeks before she was abducted, Hashtim Murray was attacked in an underground parking garage in Richmond Hill. Police are holding a news conference Thursday morning where they're expected to update the case. Concerns over food insecurity are on the rise. One local food bank says the overall demand is getting harder and harder to meet. Organizers are forecasting an astonishing 60% increase in the number of people needing its services this year. CTV's Janice Golding tells us more. It's a new year, but old concerns are still plaguing Canada's food banks. Second Harvest is forecasting that in 2023, our country's nonprofit food organizations will see a 60% increase in the number of people they serve. That's above and beyond the 134% growth they experienced in 2022. It's incredibly alarming. It's really terrifying for the charities and nonprofits across the country because they just don't have what they need. And they're getting calls, texts, people are crying. We need food. In its New Year's resolution for food insecurity survey, which surveyed more than 1,300 organizations across the country, Second Harvest found 39% of agencies say they'll need 50% more perishable food to meet demand, while 44% of agencies say they'll need 50% more non-perishable food. 70% of nonprofits say they'll need both funding and food. Everybody needs something, and most people need everything. Not-for-profits also anticipated a budget shortfall of $94 million. That's an average of $70,000 per organization. We have to stop thinking about this typical ideal of what it looks like for someone to access food. Like we have this person in our head, and it's not. It's your neighbor, it's your friend, it's someone in your family. Second Harvest says that since the pandemic, the number of nonprofit food programs in Canada increased by 214%, and they're expecting an additional 60% to be established in 2023. Second Harvest says for every major grocery store in our country, there are four agencies just like this one who are providing food support to Canadians. And it says this silent network needs more support from the federal government as well as individuals who can do their part within their own communities. Janice Golding, CTV News. Broken bones and life-changing head injuries from an accident, but his claim is denied. The car insurance loophole that drove one man to court for two years. CTV News investigates coming up. A man is dead after he was struck by two vehicles on the 401 in Mississauga this morning. It happened around 5 in the westbound lanes approaching Dixie Road. Police say a man and a woman were standing outside of a vehicle that was pulled over on the shoulder. The man was struck by another vehicle and landed in a busy lane and was then hit by a transport truck. Police say the truck driver then drove away. If you have dash cam or if you are that transport truck driver uh, that did stop momentarily and then subsequently left, we would like to speak with you as well. Police say the woman was taken to hospital with minor injuries. A man has been arrested in connection with an unprovoked stabbing in Mississauga yesterday afternoon. Presently, the, the last uh, updated information that I have as it relates to the victim is that they are in stable but serious condition at Trauma Hospital. Uh, as for the motive behind the incident, that's, uh, that's still to be determined as the investigation's in its infancy. Peel police say 34-year-old David Ditlow was taken into custody at around 9.30 this morning near a Mississauga hospital. A 19-year-old victim was walking near here, Ontario, just north of John Street, at around 4.30 yesterday when the suspect allegedly approached him from behind and stabbed him. At this point, police say it appears to have been a random attack. 
Toronto police have arrested three men as part of a human trafficking investigation as they warned there could be more victims in the case. It's alleged a 15-year-old girl was sex trafficked by a group of three men at a motel in York Region from May through September of 2020. Police say the victim was also given drugs and assaulted. They have now arrested 23-year-old Huntley M.C. Daniel, 37-year-old Mackenzie G.T. Serafin, and 30-year-old Salim Cooley Edward, all of Toronto. They face a range of trafficking and other criminal charges. Peel police have arrested a 22-year-old suspected in a sex trafficking investigation. Mahad Farah was picked up in Saskatoon Thursday and was handed over to authorities in the GTA where he was charged. Police are asking any alleged victims to come forward. The premier tonight is opening the door to the new year, hoping to shut another on a recent controversy. Doug Ford says legislation that caps pay increases for most public sector workers is a dead issue. The courts, however, would say otherwise. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain what's going on. Siobhan. Well, Nathan, the premier insists that Bill 124 won't be guiding negotiations with groups going forward, including with nurses, and some of those talks start as early as this month. Nurses, though, are a little confused about why the government is pushing forward with an appeal of a court ruling that found Bill 124 was unconstitutional. In his first news conference of the year, the premier was adamant. Bill 124 doesn't exist. The legislation that caps public sector wage increases at 1% a year. He points to a deal with CUPE educational support workers with salary increases north of 3.5% a year for bargaining of some nursing contracts that launched this month. Bill 124 is gone. It's, it's not going to be part of the negotiations. That messaging is encouraging but confusing to the Registered Nurses Association. My question is, why are we appealing then the court decision that deems that bill uh, unconstitutional? No firm answer from the premier, who says he's going to treat public sector workers fairly. But I always have to be a prudent fiscal manager with the taxpayers' money. We just can't be out there spending willy-nilly. The financial accountability officer estimates a court loss on Bill 124 could cost the province more than $8 billion. The way Grinspun sees it, the government is going to have to loosen its grip on the province's purse strings. Enable competitive compensation because whether it's 1% or 2%, nurses ain't going to stay here. If that's the case, it needs to be significantly higher. While the premier boasts about additions to the front lines. Over 60,000 new nurses uh, have been hired. Uh, since 2018. Critics point to studies that say scores of nurses are taking their licenses elsewhere. You can pour water into a bucket, but for as long as there are massive holes at the bottom that are allowing water to seep out, that bucket will never fill. Shamji insists repealing Bill 124 and abandoning the appeal will help stop the leak. Before Christmas, Premier Ford and Canada's other premiers were renewing their demand for a sit-down with the Prime Minister to talk about greater health care funding. So far, no date for that meeting has been set. They've been hoping for something early in the new year. Still, Ford says he's confident something can be worked out. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. Staff at Michael Guerin Hospital have revealed a new patient care centre. We're going to continue providing the, the funding, but continue providing incredible health care uh, right across this great province. There are 215 beds, and 80% of them are made to offer privacy, something the hospital says will give patients more dignity in their care. 
Inpatients will start being transferred to the next new facility next weekend, with outpatient services launching February 4th. Minister of Health Sylvia Jones and Toronto Mayor John Tory also attended the ribbon-cutting ceremony. Overseas tonight, six people were hurt, one of them seriously, in a stabbing attack today in Paris. It happened at the French capital's Gare du Nord train station. Local prosecutors haven't been able to identify the attacker who was shot by off-duty police within a minute. But they say he's about 20 years old and may have been born in Libya or Algeria. No word on a motive either. Ukraine is denying Russia's claims it has taken over a key town in the country's east. Moscow said it had cut off Solidar from Ukrainian forces. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky pushed back against those reports, saying the fighting continues. He was joined today by Poland's president at a ceremony honoring fallen Ukrainian soldiers. Poland also joined the list of countries pledging to send tanks to Ukraine. Meanwhile, the Kremlin ordered its top general to take command of the ongoing invasion of Ukraine as the pace of the war faces some criticism within Russia. The World Health Organization says it's still not getting enough data from China about the massive COVID-19 wave impacting the country's population. There are some very important information gaps that we are working with China to fill. First and foremost is to have a really a, a deeper understanding of the transmission dynamics. The WHO says it believes COVID-19 deaths have been heavily underreported by China. Beijing, meanwhile, says it won't issue visas for citizens of South Korea and Japan until they scrap COVID-19 entry rules on Chinese travelers. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is heading back to Canada after the Three Amigos Summit in Mexico. He says the gathering highlighted the importance of cooperation across the continent. We all do better when we work together. And that our own citizens do better when we work together is something that has become ever more clear uh, over the past years and uh, has certainly been at the center of our discussions today. Earlier today, the PM held a bilateral meeting with Mexican President Lopez Obrador, where they signed a deal to cooperate on indigenous issues. Trudeau also hailed an agreement with the U.S. to resume the processing of some Nexus card applications inside Canada. Turning to a CTV investigation and the story of an Ontario man who suffered a debilitating brain injury in a fall from his trailer. He was denied insurance coverage for years before taking the company to court. As our John Woodward reports, the judge found car insurance coverage isn't just limited to driving. Clayton Medore's life suddenly changed when he was cleaning his fifth wheel trailer outside of Sudbury in 2019. I heard somebody call me out, come on in for supper, supper's ready. I said, I'd be there in a minute. Um, that's all I remember. His wife, Agath, remembers his fall 12 feet to the ground. And I went outside right away, and I found my husband, Clayton, on the cement driveway. And there was no more life there, and my son, Jason, had to revive him. In the hospital, doctors found a skull fracture, nerve damage, hearing and vision loss, and more after he woke up. Two breaks in each arm, wrists were broken, and then about two months later, they tried to make him walk, and he had a broken foot also. Mador could no longer work, and he needed a lot of medical treatment. To pay for it, he turned to the trailer's insurance policy with Intact. But the company said no, arguing that cleaning the trailer was not the same as using it, and therefore he wasn't covered. And in hearings at the License Appeal Tribunal, adjudicators agreed with Intact. They argued that uh, the trailer had to be involved in uh, causing the incident, which was wrong on many levels. 
Lawyers Brian Cameron and Jordan Kaufman fought at divisional court where a three-judge panel sided with Medore, saying slipping and falling off a trailer that is 12 feet high must be seen as a normal incident. Hopefully the divisional court's decision will allow us to start Clayton using the accident benefits that he's been denied for a number of years now. They'll get emotional every time I talk about it. The couple hoping the decision helps others whose accidents may not be when they're behind the wheel. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. The Buffalo Bills are sharing some very good news about DeMar Hamlin as he recovers from that on-field health scare. The team says the 24-year-old safety has been discharged from hospital in Buffalo. He was transferred there after a week of intensive care in Cincinnati. Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest during the January 2nd game against the Bengals. Doctors say Hamlin has undergone a series of tests and they're confident he can be let out of hospital and continue his rehabilitation at home and with the Bills. Coming up, the evolution of shoplifting and the rise of organized retail crime. The effort to put an end to increasingly violent incidents with ties to crime rings. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, a perfect storm of conditions caused major problems for passengers using Pearson Airport over the holidays. Many people are still trying to get their luggage. One couple says they've been waiting for almost a month for a suitcase that contains important cancer medication. All of my reports, that's just ahead. So we've got more rain in the forecast. This may feel unusual for January, but interestingly enough, it was on this day three years ago that we picked up nearly 60 millimeters of rain. We're not going to get that much this time around, but we might get about half of that, and then we'll see a changeover to some snow. We'll detail the timing of this coming up in your weather forecast. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Winter storms, canceled flights, and tens of thousands of people trying to get away over the holidays, causing a huge problem with lost luggage at Pearson Airport. Many passengers have been reunited with their bags, but one couple's been waiting for almost a month for a suitcase that contains precious cargo. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. The couple from Calgary connected in Toronto, traveling with three suitcases to the Bahamas. Two of them got lost, and both contained important cancer medications. One of the suitcases went as far as Dubai before ending up in Timmins. They shake their head going, Air Canada, Toronto, they've got a huge problem. Karen Bailey and David Baker left Calgary on December 15th to travel to Nassau in the Bahamas with Air Canada. They had three suitcases, but only one showed up. The others contained cancer medications that were not allowed in their carry-on bags. We were carrying uh, three different medications for my husband for cancer treatment, and they far exceeded the limits for fluids that you could put in a carry-on. When their luggage went missing, they had trouble getting information and went to the airport daily hoping their bags would arrive. At one point, they were told their luggage was mistakenly sent to the United Arab Emirates. We were told on the flight, flight tracker that our bags were in Dubai. More than two weeks after they arrived in the Bahamas, one suitcase did show up, but it was badly damaged. It was in a plastic bag that had been ripped up on the plastic bag. It has the word Dubai, so it, it had been to Dubai. Nobody wants this type of trouble. Passenger rights advocate Gabor Lukash says the law is clear. Passengers must be paid compensation for lost or delayed luggage. The airline has to pay compensation for reasonable interim expenses up to $2,300 Canadian dollars. 
If your luggage is lost or delayed, provide your contact information, a detailed description of your baggage and contents, your baggage claim stubs, and your boarding passes. CTV News reached out to Air Canada and a spokesperson said the customer's final bag was misdirected but has since been located and that our customer's relations team assured the customer her expenses would be refunded and she was also offered a goodwill gesture. Bailey and Baker said their final bag was found in Timmins and has now been returned. 24 days after we arrived, we got the suitcase. Thank you, CTV. We've really enjoyed your help. Thank, Thank you. you. And if you don't get your suitcase, it's considered delayed. And after 21 days, it's considered loss. Adding to the problem at Pearson Airport over the holidays was a broken luggage conveyor belt, which has since been repaired. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Toronto Police and Crime Stoppers have launched a new campaign to battle organized retail crime. This comes after an uptick in violent theft across the city caught the attention of both businesses and investigators. CTV's Raheem Ladani explains. The next time you're walking through a shopping mall in the GTA, take a look at these digital billboards and you'll soon see something that looks like this. That's because Crime Stoppers wants to remind shoppers that... Shoplifting, as most know it, has evolved into a more lucrative criminal enterprise. Organized retail crime is estimated to cost businesses $5 billion a year. But experts say the illegal activity doesn't end at the stolen goods. Many of these organized retail crime networks use their ill-gotten gains to fund other criminal activities like human trafficking. This is the second phase of an ad campaign which started in Toronto in 2013. Billboards and radio ads are meant to shine a greater light on theft rings, which the Retail Council of Canada says are extremely organized. They have a list of merchandise they need to steal and they go across the 401 and they've got an organized schedule of what retailers they want to hit. Rui Rodriguez says since the COVID-19 pandemic began, these crimes have both increased and become more violent. Whether it's bear sprays, uh, knives, but we're also seeing guns. Some of the top stolen goods include baby formula, over-the-counter medication, and other health and beauty products. Toronto police say those who purchase items secondhand can also be criminally charged if they knowingly buy stolen items. People need to be thoughtful that when something is offered at an extremely low rate, they need to be uh, asking a lot of questions and coming to understand why that price is what it is. Raheem Ladani, CTV News. All right, to the forecast, it has been a day of glitches and perhaps a, a weather glitch is on the way. Mm, I know, back half of the week bringing a special weather statement. Mm -hmm. What should we be concerned here? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of special weather statements in place. One is for tonight and then one is for the active weather that's going to arrive about midday tomorrow and follow us into the day on Friday. So a few different types of precipitation at play here. At the end of it, we have a calmer weekend forecast and finally, finally, some sunshine. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Today was another cloudy day, and yes, we had that burst of snow in some areas in the morning and then in other areas through the afternoon. The GTA is mostly dry at this time. Temperature-wise, we're expecting to climb a degree or two as we make our way through these overnight hours, and as a result, some areas to our north and to our west are going to be hovering uh, just slightly a couple of degrees uh, at or below the freezing mark, which could result in some inter intermittent freezing rain. 
That's special weather statement number one. So this one's for tonight and into tomorrow morning. You'll notice that this is mainly for areas north and west of the GTA. For us during the daytime hours tomorrow, it's going to be mild. We're forecasting a daytime high of five degrees. So by the time this Colorado low arrives, it will be mild enough for some rain. Special weather statement from Windsor through to London, right along the north shore of Lake Erie into Niagara and then around the Golden Horseshoe over toward Kingston. This is where we're anticipating anywhere from 15 to 30 millimeters of rain. And then the areas that you see here in blue, this is from Peterborough north to about Algonquin Park and over toward Ottawa under a winter storm watch. That's where conditions are favorable for some heavy amounts of snow. First, there's the rain. It looks like some of the heaviest could fall between Hamilton and Niagara Falls. Once again, we've seen similar storms like this already this winter. And then again, heaviest snowfall looks to be around Bancroft, Petawawa over toward the nation's capital. For us here in the city of Toronto, by the time the snow uh, arrives and perhaps accumulates, we could pick up anywhere from two to five centimeters. Here's the timing. Still a little bit of uncertainty when it comes uh, to the exact track of this low. So numbers could change a little bit. We're expecting there's that patch of maybe some freezing rain early tomorrow morning. Some light showers in the GTA in the morning. The meat and potatoes of this system gets going into the afternoon. By this time tomorrow, we're going to be into a bit of a soaking rain for your Thursday evening commute. Then the flip over to snow happens through the overnight hours. Waking up, there will be some wet snow. It tapers off during the day. Friday morning's commute likely still to be impacted. Then we get the clearing, but Friday itself is also going to bring us some gusty winds and perhaps some biting wind chills. But let's talk about the weekend. Seasonal temperatures, sunshine in store. Enjoy that because it looks like some cloud cover and maybe some unsettled weather returns early next week. That's your forecast for now. Michelle, over to you. Thanks, Lindsay. We're getting a stark view tonight of the problems facing many in Toronto's homeless population. CTV's Beth McDonald reports on a recent troubling incident and the concerns over how the city's addressing the issue. They're just taking their homes and they're dragging them out, all their possessions, which they don't have many of. Downtown for work, Deirdre Moher pulled out her phone and recorded the removal of an encampment. And they just swarmed in against these three men that are in the tents, not doing anything. Oh, I was outraged and very upset, and it was very disturbing to see. Really tragic. This is just terrible. Mower watched a tent and someone's belongings go into a dump truck and says in the middle of winter, with the lack of affordable housing, the removal should have been handled better with a lot more kindness and that they were treated like human beings. They wouldn't even treat their dogs this bad. The city says since April, streets to home staff have connected with the occupants more than 130 times. On December 30th, the city says they also served a notice for fouling and obstruction of streets and were ordered to leave. The city says it doesn't remove a camp unless there's shelter space for people right away and they're allowed to take two bags to the shelter while tents can be stored for 30 days. In this case, one man agreed to go indoors and give up his tent. The bottom line remains that for encampments to happen, whether they're in parks or on sidewalks or elsewhere, they're not safe, they're not healthy, and they're not legal. And so we make every effort, multiple visits to these locations to offer safe indoor housing. In fact, it's exponentially increasing, correct? We see demand is, is remaining high for these services. Meanwhile, at City Hall, shelter manager Gord Tanner answered questions from city councillors. The city is looking at growing the budget for space and services and continue using hotels for now, which during three years of COVID cost around $1 billion. 
The 2023 shelter budget overall is expected to be $707 million, $37 million more than last year. It's a system which will be able to accommodate 9,000 people. Still, more than 100 people are turned away on average every night, and the city can't seem to catch up with the need. Our plan was to introduce about 1,000 new spaces uh, combined with shelter space and new uh, affordable and supportive housing that would be opening. Uh, we've got about 830 of those spaces open, but obviously we need a, a, a long-term strategy on, on this issue. Uh, we need leadership at the provincial level. Mower agrees with the need for a long-term plan. She wants more funding for mental health and more affordable housing built quickly. So removals like the one she witnessed aren't needed to begin with. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. Also tonight, the stars return to the Golden Globes. The big winners and highlights from the glittering soiree honoring the best in film and TV. Paramedics in Peel region have a new mental health support tonight. As health reporter Pauline Chan explains, it promises to start the healing before it becomes a crisis. I'm evidence of the effectiveness of accessing mental health support when you need it. Peel paramedic Natalia Bordage says her mental health problems started after a series of intense calls just as the pandemic was beginning. And Peel paramedic chief Peter Dundas says there is no doubt the nature of their work places paramedics at an extremely high risk of experiencing workplace trauma. They're the ones you see rushing uh, to the head-on collision on the 401. They're the ones resuscitating the father in cardiac arrest and at the same time comforting the family. But it's not always one specific case that triggers mental health issues. It can have an acute issue, but often it's a chronic issue. It happens over multiple, multiple hits, and it's almost like a chronic injury. Dr. Dante Mora says that's why a new partnership with Trillium Health has begun. For our partners at Peel Paramedic, what we've been able to do is allow access to those services and to be able to access those services before crisis. Bordage says that's been a key challenge for those in her profession. One of the major challenges facing paramedics would be finding ways to prevent mental health injuries in the workplace. Services will focus on the particular needs of first responders and will be offered in person or virtually. It allows high-performing people to get back to work and doing the work that they love. Pauline Chan, CTV News. The music world's in mourning tonight following the death of legendary guitarist Jeff Beck. Beck first came to prominence as a member of the Yardbirds. He later launched a solo career that bent genres and showcased his talent for using the guitar in new ways. He won eight Grammy Awards and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. Beck died after contracting bacterial meningitis. He was 78. After two years of scrutiny over its lack of ethics and diversity, the Golden Globe Awards returned in a big way. The stars were back to honor the best in film and television. CTV's Andrea Case has a recap of some of the top moments. In a night full of celebrities, the Oscar goes to... No, no. Oh, no, no, wait. Golden Globe, Golden Globe, Golden Globe. Go, go. The star of the night was Jennifer Coolidge. The 61-year-old captivated the audience and took home the prize for her role in the drama White Lotus. The 80th annual Golden Globe Awards hosted by the Hollywood Foreign Press, which us. was called out for its lack of diversity in business practices, the show returned to NBC after being dropped last year. Hosted by comedian Gerard Carmichael, he got right to the point. And I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I'm black. 
A much different cast of nominees and winners last night. Winners included Angela Bassett for her role in Wakanda Forever. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is stars Michelle Yeoh and comeback story of the year, Kihu Kwan. I was raised to never forget where I came from and to always remember who gave me my first opportunity. I am so happy to see Steven Spielberg here tonight. Steven, thank you. Steven Spielberg's film, The Fablemans, which he calls his most personal film yet, won a couple of awards, including Best Drama and Best Director. Bless you all. Looking ahead to the Oscar race, it could be going up against the Banshees of Inna Sheeran. The film won three awards, including an acting nod for Colin Farrell. Elvis star Austin Butler thanked the Presley family in his speech. On the television side, Abbott Alimentary was a three-time winner, including for show creator Kinta Brunton. And the Games of Thrones sequel, House of the Dragon, was a surprise win even for its creator. As you can tell, we didn't think we were going to win, so I didn't get ready. Winning Best Drama Series, a feat Game of Thrones never accomplished. Andrea Case, CTV News. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Last Men's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Updating our top stories, police were investigating after a group of teenage girls allegedly assaulted several people at a number of TTC subway stations last month. Police were unable to confirm if the incidents were linked to the fatal swarming of Ken Lee December 18th. Eight teenage suspects have been charged with murder in that incident. The typical driver in Toronto lost uh, 118 hours to traffic congestion uh, last year. A new report has ranked Toronto among the top 10 worst cities for traffic in the world. In North America, Toronto placed behind only Chicago and Boston in terms of commuter hours lost to traffic. The main cabin door had already closed. And the next thing we know, we're, they told us that there's a nationwide ground hold. U.S.-bound passengers at Pearson Airport are being advised to check their flight status as airlines across America deal with the aftermath of a technical problem affecting systems at the Federal Aviation Administration. Off the court and in person, the Raptors pay a special visit to a hospital in Scarborough. Just ahead, special moments from the heartwarming experience. Top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. Quite the sight in the halls of a Scarborough hospital today. Heroes who battle it out on the basketball court, taking time for the ultimate fighters, kids overcoming health struggles who could use a good distraction. CTV's Andrew Brennan reports on the Raptors field trip. Fred Van Vliet is known for the minutes he puts in on the court, but he also makes the time for young fans at Centenary Hospital in Scarborough. I got two little ones and you know a third on the way, so... Um, definitely puts it in perspective to see some of these kids the same age as my kids. Sure you don't want the staff lined the halls to welcome seven of the Toronto Raptors to the pediatrics department. Children and teens like Natalia spend a lot of time here, usually for less joyful reasons. Having to go through chemo the past couple of months have been really hard, but this is such a great opportunity and I'm happy I get to do it. Your best friend. Now we are best friends. The players brought swag to sign, shot some hoops, and stopped for selfies. Small gestures that go a long way. The kids, they see you, they see you tall, and they got a, a great day. I mean, uh, it's huge for us. I mean, we got to do this more often. 
A chance 12-year-old Mikhail Ford knew he could not miss. It was amazing. Knowing on that day that I would be able to meet the Raptors face-to-face -face and have this time with them was... It's awesome, yeah. And even though this event is over, it's... Um, I'm definitely going to remember this day for a very long time. A slam dunk of an experience, memories that will last a lifetime. Andrew Brennan, CTV News. That's amazing. The Raptors scoring big points there. Um, yes. Let's talk about the forecast. You'll want to pay attention because there's some unsettled weather that could mess things up a bit. Yeah, and there's a couple of rounds of precipitation that we're paying close attention to. Uh, beginning right now with a look at the satellite and radar, we're starting to see some pinks around King Carden, Southampton area. That's indicative of a little bit of freezing rain. You might be able to see it there just near the shoreline of Lake Huron. There is a special weather statement in place for that tonight. The other special weather statement and winter storm watch is in place for tomorrow with the Colorado low that's going to swing through. Here's a breakdown of what you can expect. It's mainly rain for Thursday, a change to snow overnight, and then some snow and gusty winds Friday. But that snow tapers off in the morning by the weekend. We're cooler. Doesn't matter, though. We're going to be enjoying sunny skies. Nathan and Michelle. Can't wait. Thank you, Lindsay. And that's it for us. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.